Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to TCK Care, the podcast with your host, Stephen Black, as we share stories and strategies for supporting TCKs in all walks of life. And today we are looking at the creative side of supporting TCKs. Joining us on the show is Elizabeth, a.k.a. Lisa Liang, uh, writer, actor, uh, producer of Alien Citizen. Uh, Elizabeth, thank you for joining us on the show today. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. So I was just looking up Alien Citizen and you a little bit before we got started. And it looks like Alien Citizen was on the road for, what, like six years and went to like 14 states and four countries. And Six it, countries, actually. Six countries. Okay. Nice. Four continents. Okay. Gotcha. Wowza. That's so cool. So tell us a little bit about Alien Citizen and what went into that. Well, I had been toying with the idea of writing a one-woman show about my life because I'd never seen a third culture kid story told, like on stage or even on film. I just had never, not when I was growing up and not in my adulthood. And uh, I lived in the States for a number of years and people were starting to ask me, which still happens on occasionally, are you from the Midwest, where I have never lived? I have never lived in the Midwest, <laughs> and it, I began to have this stronger feeling of this can't, this can't stand. This I can't. This is not okay. People, people need to know a little bit more about me because this is killing me. So I started writing it, um, actually, because my brother John, who is a journalist and writer, sent me a call for submissions for an anthology for TCKs. It was like call for submissions from people who had grown up in different countries. Um, so I thought if I write an essay about creating a solo show, that will force me to create the solo show. And it did. So the quote unquote excerpts in the essay from my solo show are the first things I ever wrote for the solo show. Nice. <laughs> and uh, at the time I was calling it unpacked. Mm. And, um, over a few years, I worked on it back and forth, and finally had a terrible rough draft by 2011. Which is the way you're supposed to start anything, right? At, yes, and and it was. I mean, I had good two. I had twelve good solid minutes of of, of scenes that I actually performed at uh, festivals that year, and that were well received. But the whole play, the script was terrible. So then I uh, took a six-month master class on creating your solo show, and I was one of the lucky ones because I already had a rough, terrible draft, so I had a little bit less work to do than everyone else. Although I don't know if that's true because I did such a massive rewrite. Um, but by the end of that, I had something that I knew I could perform. And then uh, in 2013, I premiered it in Hollywood at a small 99-seat theater that was really like a 40-seat theater. And um, I had no idea if anyone was going to be interested in the story of somebody who grew up as a dual citizen of mixed heritage in six countries. But people kept coming and more and more people kept coming and I never had to cancel a performance and I didn't have to cancel the run of the show. And then it got into a festival in New York and then it was booked at Princeton University and MIT and suddenly I was on the college circuit and going to conferences and mostly colleges and universities and international schools and few maybe one or two other festivals, but mostly I was, it was getting booked and uh, it was hard work to get it booked, but it was happening. Um, and I, that was a wonderful experience because I got to go to Singapore and South Africa and Spain and Iceland. 
and back to Panama where I'd been a kid. So I got to go not to the actual building that I went to school in, but I did go back to the school. It was in a completely different building, but still, like I could say I went back to Balboa Academy where I'd gone to elementary school and performed for middle schoolers and high schoolers, and that was amazing. And that's that was a wonderful experience, um, learning that it, did, it was relatable. TCKs really, really seemed to relate to it. Adult TCKs were kind of shattered by it, but in a good way. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it brought up all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Um, but that ultimately was, I think, validating for them and made people feel seen and heard. Um, and and then after six years, I thought that's I've, okay. I've told this story. I've told it and told it and told it and told it. I, and I I'm ready to tell another one now. But mm. we put it on film and got you know a professional crew to put it together. And really the best thing was a professional editor to make it this dynamic, interesting film instead of a God awful video recording of a stage play, which nobody wants to see. And I would never <laughs> ask anyone to watch. This is actually a really good dynamic, fun, sort of like a concert film, but with special effects and stuff. Mm, so that's, that's the story fantastic. of Alien Citizen. It's now on DVD and streamable. So I guess we should go ahead and pause the podcast. That's right. If you're listening in, go ahead and just push pause or I will magically push pause button for you. Beep. Now you can go to aliencitizensoloshow.com and download and stream the movie and watch it. It's only like five bucks, right? Something like that. Yeah, it's like $4.99 to rent it. And you have, once, you rent, once you rent it, you get 30 days to watch it. There you go. So go ahead and do that. Then you can come back and play the podcast. Okay. Beep. Resuming. All right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, absolutely. So that's really cool. So are you working on something else now that's related to TCKs or what's going on? Yeah, I have been working for years now um, on and off a new script that's basically about the concept of home. So every TCK knows what, you know, like, what is it. And it's specifically about my relationship with my birthplace, Guatemala, and my family there, and especially my paternal grandmother. Mm. And then... Um, also interspersed or weaved into it are original fanfic scenes I wrote based on Peter Jackson's movies of J.R.R. Tolkien's book, The Hobbit. Even nice. though I'm not a fan of the book and I'm not a fan of the movies, but I stumbled into the fanfic rabbit hole and found some fantastic fanfics based on them. <laughs> and uh, when I was having trouble writing this script, because, you know, it's about what is home and your origins and your family and, you know, the good relationships, but also the hard parts of those relationships. And I would get stuck and think, Oh, I don't know if I can write this. And then I just kind of write a fanfic scene for fun. And it was my husband who said, I think that you might be able to put those two together. And I realized the scenes that I were writing were kind of paralleling the real life scenes, mm. but the scenes, I, the fanfic scenes were so much more fun because they were creative and I was making stuff up, you know? Mm -hmm. So I've kind of weaved them together now. And the fanfic scenes kind of introduce the the real life scenes, so it's mm. very strange, and it will it will either be considered original and interesting or uh, doomed to failure. But I'm doing it. <laughs> That's fantastic. I love that attitude. Yeah. Um, so, Lisa, what was it like for you creating um, the show Alien Citizen? It was. Um, great and hard and exactly what the creative process is feeling mm. like what's the first story i should tell 
I don't know. And then just giving myself like a 20 minute time limit and thinking, all right, 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 write the first story that comes to mind when people ask you, well, what was it like growing up around the world? What's the first thing that comes to mind? Which is not necessarily the answer I give them in public places, you know, when I'm socializing, but the thing that comes to my head. Um, and it was bicycling in Egypt to school, bicycling in the suburbs of Cairo to my mm. American International School, mm-hmm. and how it was sometimes dangerous. How, for fun, young adults would drive so close to you that y- there, you would have an accident, or at least almost have one. And I, I, you know, flew off the bike more than one time. Um, and how that's not something. I ever felt safe talking about because I didn't want people to immediately draw the conclusion that Egypt is bad, which is not true and not what I would ever say. I will say every place you live is going to have things that you like and things that you dislike and things that are bizarrely dangerous that you don't encounter in that other country you were just living in. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But you might encounter it in another country in the future because I found out that uh, in Philadelphia drivers do that. They deliberately drive as close as they can to the bicyclists to scare the bicyclists hmm. and to kind of like force them off the shoulder of the road. Oh, and man. I remember being really relieved when I heard that and thinking, oh, thank goodness. Now I don't have to feel like, is that a thing that's like specific only to Egypt? No, Americans do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they have this in common. Yes. Um, <laughs> that's why I moved to Portland. We have like bicycle lanes and they're not supposed to drive close to us. It's fantastic. That is fantastic. That is that is the only way. So that, you know, with all that stuff, I, I realized there was stuff that I never heard people talk about. They talk about culture shock and mm-hmm. adapting and blah, 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 blah. And I always thought, but what about the stuff that's like you only experience if you're on a bicycle and everyone else has no idea about? What about and, and it depends on the neighborhood you're in. Like, what about the stuff and, and how much agency do you have to say, who do you go to? Do you go to your parents? Do you have that kind of relationship with your parents? Can you tell them, look, this thing is, is actually being really hard? Mm. Or, or do you feel like you need to protect them? Or do you feel like you, you're not sure what their response will be, so it's just easier to grin and bear it? Mm-hmm. And that's a, t- that's, a, that's a kid thing. That's just a family dynamic thing. But with TCKs, it's got that heightened, that, 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 that little bit more or a lot more um, uh, weight on it or pressure of it. it, it if you inconvenience your parents or guardians, that has these huge ramifications. <laughs> right. You know, and definitely you know, foreign service kids, you know, dip kids have to, they're representing the country and military brats are representing the country and missionary kids are representing God, I guess, or at least the religion. I mean, there's a lot. I was just a business brat. I wasn't really representing Xerox. I was, but I was, you know, needing to not not be uh, we all know we all need to not be difficult (laughs) (laughs) that's a good way of putting it yeah yeah absolutely so yeah so it was stuff would come up for me and then i'd write it and give myself permission to write it and then have to figure out like what what what's the story here what am i trying to say is this just a a rant am i just venting Hmm. and over time what i realized was i was finally able to start writing the good stuff because there's tons of good stuff, but I didn't want to share it because it felt very precious and I didn't want anyone saying something that would make it make me feel bad about it. Like, mm-hmm. that's not so great. Or, 
yeah, lucky you, boy, are you spoiled. <laughs> like, either way, like, don't don't say that this precious thing isn't good enough because it was in a, you know, in, in a poor environment. And don't say, please, that I, I'm horrible because I grew up with privilege. Uh, can, can we find a... How do I tell these stories so that people just understand? <laughs> yeah, it's really holding both of those things in balance, right? Yeah, exactly. I, I feel like every... And then I was able to... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, uh, go on. No, just uh, I was finally able to, to find... Once I gave myself permission, like it's a line in the show, like if you give yourself permission to speak of the pain, you can be so much more grateful. Mm. And then I list like more and more and more wonderful memories. And it becomes kind of a whirling dervish at the end of the show as I just like list great memory after great memory after great memory after great memory, like experiences that I I don't know anyone else had unless they were TCKs or happened to live in that country or that country. Mm. Uh, and there's, you know, it's a great way to grow up. Yeah. But I had to allow myself the process of telling the hard truths so that I could then share and feel safe sharing the wonderful truths. Hmm. So it sounds like Alien Citizen, this show, is almost a story about finding out how to tell your story. Yeah, it is, because even though I don't go that meta in it, as, I, as I'm telling it, I'm just telling it. Mm -hmm. But I, you see my emotional catharsis when I get to the point where I say, this is what it, this is what it ended up doing to me, the silencing of myself. Mm. And this is why that hurt and was not helpful to me Yeah. as I got older. Yeah. Now I'm sharing it with you and I'm releasing that pain mm. and now I can move forward and I, I you know and it, I, I it was so cathartic to do the first few times it was terrifying but it was so cathartic that after like the third performance I thought well I'm done <laughs> <laughs> and realized uh well you've got a whole run of the, you got five weeks of this to do and then I was, was taking it around to all this diff different countries and states and I realized the only way I could really get the get the energy to do it was a as a professional actor you have to so you do it but b <laughs> Just assume somebody, just assume there's one person in the audience at least who really needs to hear this story right now. Mm. And there always was. Mm -hmm. There's usually many more than one one person, but sometimes in a smaller audience, there was that one person who needed it. Mm. Yeah. Wow. That's got to be very rewarding to find a way to tell your story and then to talk about not only your experience, but also your um, awareness of that experience and your awareness of telling your story and then to be able to share that with people um, who, like you say, really need it. Yeah, it's why I started leading workshops and I especially love working with TCKs and multiracial people and anyone who's intercultural in some way because mm -hmm. I love hearing that stuff. I, you know, it just makes me feel less alone and, and, and more like, wow, there's a ton of us. There's so many of us who grew up cross-culturally and interculturally in some way and I want people to know your story does matter. Your feelings about it matter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, You must honor them. I am here to help you do that. Mm. So are your workshops geared around helping people tell stories? Yeah, they're about you know, telling your own autobiographical story, whether it's, you know, snippets from your entire life or one summer or, you know, that week that that thing happened. It, it, it's up to you. But then I help you pull out more and more details and, and find the structure of it and find the, what's the gold, what's the gold. 
Hmm. Because the details are very important, but the underlying emotional truth is what's going to grab your audience. Hmm. That's good. I wonder if that's something that all TCKs need, like a storytelling workshop. Maybe it's not a workshop. Maybe it's just part of the cultural reentry program or something. Something somewhere along the way, I feel like everybody who has had um, a variety of experiences that are so different from each other, it's almost hard to talk to a person in country B about the life in country A because it's just a different world. Um, Yep. Yeah, how do you how do you tell your story? Just like what you said, I I, I think it should be required. Uh, I think all international schools should require it for every mm. incoming student. You mm. know, tell us about the last place you live, or tell us about what this first week has been like, or tell you know have some place to be able to express what it's actually been like, and it's safe and no one judges you. Yeah, and you're now crafting it into a narrative, and that's really very healing. There's all these studies that show that's very very healing and really great for all sorts of cognitive things going on in your brain and for your development as a human um, and, and your maturity level and your, your self-acceptance and your compassion for others and all of that. I yeah. think they should, it has, should, it should it, all new kids should have to go through it. All seniors leaving the school should have to do it. Everybody who's leaving the school to go to another one or another country should have to do it. And mm-hmm. absolutely the quote unquote repatriation or reentry kids going to college usually, but sometimes high school or middle school. Absolutely. Because they need to tell somebody. Yeah, right. <laughs> who will care and not judge. Mm, yeah. You know, the first time I went to a reentry program, which was when I was helping lead it, um, they began to talk about how to um, share your story in a relatable way. And they said, you know, uh, compact your life into five seconds um, and say, I, my family is from here, but I grew up overseas. And then that's it, your whole life in, you know, two to five seconds. And I was like, that, that is so difficult and so intriguing that we really need to find a way to construct our stories in a way that um, we can begin to have longer conversations, more meaningful conversations. And it was just, it was eye-opening for me, even as an adult helping to lead the program. I was like, oh, yeah, I guess I should probably aim at being relational with people and telling my story in a way that's relational as opposed to playing the most interesting person in the room card and shutting conversation Mm -hmm. down. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. (laughs) Yeah. David Johnson, this one's to you. Thanks for pointing that out, man. I appreciate you. (laughs) Yeah. And it kind of depends on how you 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 tell it, right? If if, you're, if it's not relational, it is the the thing that shuts down the conversation. It's not necessarily, you know. Certainly, when I was younger, I didn't want to be the most interesting person in the room. I just wanted to be able to answer a question without that glassy-eyed stare, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And uh, now that I once I got older, and actually once I started telling the story in Alien Citizen, now I'll now I'll just be very calmly explain rather quickly. Oh, I'm from a lot of places. I grew up in six countries because my dad worked for Xerox. And, and then I let them, where did you live? And, oh, I've been there or not been there. But but I don't worry mm. about what the response is going to be because mm-hmm. I'm good with it. I'm, I'm okay mm. with how I grew up. I'm really glad I lived in all those places and made all those friends and saw all those things and tasted and smelled and touched so much. So, yeah. Uh, 
I, I don't need to fit in immediately with a group the mm. way you do as a kid, the way you want to. <laughs> yes, right? Yeah. Mm. In uh, um, Third Culture Kids, um, they talk about how a TCK coming into a new environment is most likely to build a relationship with the social outliers uh, because the social outliers are looking for someone to connect with and they see a TCK yep. come in who doesn't know what's up and they're like, we we can latch onto that. We can have yep. a relationship with the TCK because the TCK is also at this moment a social outlier. Maybe they would fit in with the um, with the in crowd, but they can like they can stay here on the outskirts with us. Um, and uh, that just kind of I feel like that speaks to that of like if you can be okay with your own story and if you can be okay taking the time to. Um, to build relationship and to settle yourself in a place, um, then you don't have to take the first relationship that comes along. It's like, I need this. You can really take the time to like understand yourself and understand your situation and make, make choices because those are the choices you want to make. Absolutely. And also consider sometimes the social outliers are the best people. They're not necessarily always. <laughs> so sometimes the reason they're they're outliers is because the group ain't that great. <laughs> or sure, the group is fine for itself, but it has certain beliefs, and yeah, right. uh, and the outliers being uh, excluded for no good reason. Right. Um, so, but you, it can be when you're young, you don't necessarily know which which way it is going to go or who the person really is. Uh, uh, you know, and and and, and it can be really hard. Um, like I tell a story in Alien Citizen about how, um, the social outliers were the nicest people in my school when I went back to, when we lived in the States, when I went, uh, sorry, when I lived in sixth grade, when we lived in uh, a town in Fairfield County, Connecticut. And, um, the only kids who would even talk to me were the black girls in my class and they were bussed in from a different town. Um, and then I became very aware that they were not, they were sort of made invisible by all the other kids. And I remember feeling like I didn't want to be invisible, but I also really was happy to have friends who were nice to me. And it was this, it was, it, it was a pretty terrible feeling. And I, it took me years to forgive myself, not because it was okay. If it was okay, it wouldn't need forgiveness, but to just think, okay, you were, you were almost 11 and you wanted friends and you were really grateful to have these friends, but you also didn't want to be an outcast. And, it says a lot about that particular school in town. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> that that was the choice. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and I, I would not, you know, I, I would hope that things have improved. I yeah. hope that people are doing, people are more inclusive. Yeah, definitely. So that, you know, the 11-year-old doesn't have to be a superhero or a coward or, you know, can just be a kid. Yeah, right. Yeah. Mm. So, sort of speaking of kids being kids, if there is a TCK or someone taking care of a TCK listening to this show and they're on their way to work and it's Egypt and traffic is crazy, um, but they're going to tune in in this last, they're going to tune in mentally in this last uh, couple minutes, what uh, advice would you give if it's a summary of what the conversation that we've had or if it's something else entirely? What would advice you, would you give um, to support TCKs living the fullest possible life that they can live? Absolutely. Uh, let them express themselves in whatever creative fashion they choose, whether it's mm -hmm. writing, singing, dancing, 
photography, drawing, painting, knitting. I don't care if it's creating a video game, whatever it is, um, not playing one, creating one. Mm. Like really encourage them to express themselves in some fashion that they like. It doesn't have to be good. It's not about good. And who are we to say anyway? Um, and don't feel that you have to fix whatever is hard for them. If it's fixable, sure. If it's incredibly difficult to fix, um, if it's going to shatter the family to fix it, if, there's something, if it's going to be if it's going to ruin your career to fix it, well, what can you do? You can listen and not, not, not insist that the kid is exaggerating, that the kid is too sensitive, that the kid is making something up, that it's just not that bad, that there's so many good things here that you just have to concentrate on them. Consider that those words have probably never helped you when you were struggling and really needed to feel heard and understood. So be that, be that good listener, that kind, compassionate listener for the TCK. Mm. And whenever they're done expressing themselves, whether creatively or just by telling you, um, please make them understand that you have heard them and you are sorry this is hard, mm. that you are here to support and to help. And you know, if you're the parent or guardian, you'll always love them. Mm-hmm. If you're a teacher, an administrator, a counselor, you're absolutely more than happy to listen to them mm. and, and help where you can. And they're not alone and they're not wrong to feel how they feel. Yes, that's right. I, I strongly feel that, that there is no feelings that are wrong. You feel how you feel. What you do with it is your responsibility. Oh, absolutely. But how you actually feel, that's how you actually feel. Yeah. You're not making that happen, <laughs> mm. in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. You know, I was uh, I interviewed my friend who's an addictions counselor on this podcast talking about addictions and TCKs and the overlap. And I used the phrase positive and negative emotions. And he said, I don't actually use those words anymore because I don't think that emotions are positive and negative. They're just intense or overwhelming or, you know, minor or, you know, euphoric or something like that, but they're not positive and negative. And I was like, man, that was challenging, but it was so good. I love that. So I love that you're tying that into the TCKs and the relationship with the parents or the caregivers. Just validate feelings. Feelings are feelings, right? And like you say, you have a right to those feelings and they're real. Um, They're real for you. They're real for the TCK. And I love that you're talking about not... um, not minimizing those feelings. Just think about the good stuff in life. Come on, what's wrong? Or yeah. you're too sensitive. You're too whatever. It's just not helpful. And then yeah, also, you just told them that their feelings don't matter, and therefore yeah. they don't matter. Yep. Yep. Exactly. That's yeah. And the creative side too of you know just expressing and man, you've found this powerful, beautiful way to tell your story, Elizabeth. And um, I love that you talked about you know creating video games, dance, whatever it is. Um, Maybe that is a way of telling their stories in a way. And, Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's not at all coincidental that so many actors you may have heard of, if you go to the movies, are TCKs. Like Viggo Mortensen is one of the most famous ones, and he's like quadrilingual, fluent, and I don't know how many languages because he grew <laughs> up in various countries in Scandinavia and uh, I believe Venezuela or Argentina and New York. I mean, Julianne Moore is a, a, a military brat. 
We get good at adapting and we are very observant of human behavior because we have to be to Mm -hmm. socially uh, Mm -hmm. fit in quickly. So we're good mimics. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) And we're good at, at, at understanding points of view that another person might not understand because they haven't met people who feel and think that way on a daily basis. Yes, you know. totally. So I love the the person who was telling you about no negative or positive emotions. I think that's revolutionary and 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 really intriguing and a great way to look at it because it just takes the pressure off. Yeah. Oh man, absolutely. <laughs> you must feel this way. I I don't. I, how do you do that? <laughs> yeah. Right. And or then if you feel if you feel anger, then like that's somehow unethical or immoral. Like. No. Right. Anger is no. just anger. It's a human emotion. Everyone's going to feel anger. It's a human anger. emotion. Right? Yeah. Or like fear is cowardly. No, fear is an emotion. It's actually a what very helpful do, survival skill. Right. Yeah. It's going to keep you alive a lot of times. It's like cowardice is, is behavior. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> you are all, we all feel fear. Absolutely. If we don't, then we are sociopaths. <laughs> mm, yeah. Right. <laughs> Man, this has been fantastic and a little bit emotional for me to just talk about the process of telling stories and being heard. Um, I feel like that's something that speaks to every TCK, um, definitely speaks to me. Um, I hope that you're listening to this podcast. If you've gotten to this point in the show, I'm assuming that you are. Um, Definitely check out those episodes on addiction with Reese. He's just, ah, he has a way of speaking into emotions and what that does. Um, Check out the show with David Johnson and being the most important person in the room. Spot on, spot on. And thank you so much, Elizabeth, for joining us on TCK Care, the podcast. Again, don't forget to check out the show, aliencitizensoloshow.com. And let me know what you think of it. Thank you. Yeah. It's been wonderful to be here. (laughs) Hey there, me again, your host, Stephen Black. Uh, Just reminding you that if you have enjoyed listening to this podcast half as much as I've enjoyed creating it, there are three one of three things I'd like you to do. Number one, leave me a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, whatever your podcast app of choice is. Number two, get connected with me. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear your story. I'd love to turn your story into a podcast episode. So if you're a TCK or involved in TCK Care in some way, reach out to me on tckcare.com slash connect. Number three, give. You can help make this podcast happen by going to tckcare.com slash give and making a one-time or recurring donation. That would mean the world to me. So please do one of those three things um, at your latest convenience. I will love you forever. I promise. And I will see you next week for more TCK Care.